Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Galatians chapter 3, uh, where Paul here, he, he shifts gears. We just finished up on verse number 14, and it was a, it was a, and now we're getting into another uh, one of Paul's excellent uh, ways of handling opposition or, or thought opposition. And so now he shifts gears and he lays out, he already, we talked about this. What does the law do? It condemns us and the law curses us. And he really came on really hard and strong about that. But now it's a gear shift. And it's a little bit more legal-like talk. Remember, in the sight of God, if you and I have responded by faith, we inherit the promise that Jesus Christ extends to us. We all come to him the same way. God says, by his grace, we come to him through faith, repentance and faith in what the Lord did for us. So this is where our righteousness comes from before God. This is where our merit comes from. This is where our worth comes from. God imputes his righteousness to us as we respond to the object of faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, if you and I put ourselves back in Paul's day, you're you're a Jew that's having a hard time understanding all this. Now I can relate from the sense of I was, I grew up Roman Catholic. I knew a lot of facts about Jesus and who he was. The first time I heard the gospel, I didn't get saved. I got rebellious <laughs> and I had about a two year process of asking questions. Look, when you're raised with something and that's all, you know, it's rare to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then boom, you, you get saved. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. That's not the argument I'm putting forth. I'm just saying, put yourself back in these times. They didn't have a Bible like we have to turn to. So they're struggling with, well, wait a minute, I thought. So if it comes by faith, then the next question becomes, well, then why in the world did God give the law to Moses? And we talked about this a little bit before. This Mosaic law, it's called that because it was given to Moses. Or the Sinaitic law, it was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. Um, why was it given to Moses? Well, he was the leader of the nation at that time. And this law was between who? It was between the nation of Israel and God. <laughs> That's who this law, this covenant law, this Mosaic law was between. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 19. Keep your finger in Galatians 3, but let's just read together Exodus chapter 19. And let's read verses 5 and, number, and, and, and 6. Exodus 19. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. It's God's voice, the covenant between who? Ye, who's that? The nation and who? God above all people. 
So this is a covenant between God and the nation of Israel. Look at verse six. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the New Testament church. Except it doesn't say that. It says unto who? The children of Israel. This law was given between, it was a covenant between God and his chosen people, the nation. So the next question is, okay, it's the covenant was given to Israel. We got the Mosaic law. This covenant of law. But they're having a hard time understanding this covenant of promise given to Abraham. Because wasn't Abraham a Jew? Wasn't he from the nation? He was. So now aren't these two things somehow related? Doesn't one void out the other? Now, when we read those verses, um, specifically verses 15 to 18, when you read them, you can sense, especially when we just came out of 6 through 14, verses 6 through 14 or 9 through 14. You can sense the shift in the way Paul is speaking. Curse, condemnation, the law is going to curse and condemn you. It's like fiery hot to now real legal, legal talk. Why? Well, we're talking about covenants. He's talking about contrasts. I'm telling you, this book was inspired by God. You can't get away from it. Every word of God is pure. You can't get away from the Holy Spirit guiding Paul. Our faith isn't in Paul. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. As his Holy Spirit guided men to pen it. So let's get some answers. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 3. And is this Mosaic law and this promise given to Abraham, does one void out the other? Look at verse 15. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. And we're going to have to take it slow here because this is meaty. Look at this, brethren. Look at this first part. I speak after the manner of men, semicolon. So there's a nice chunk of information. What do we get from that? Men don't break contracts. Paul's speaking in line with the fact that everybody understands that if two men have a contract, that contract should not be broken. It's understood if you have an agreement, that agreement cannot be broken. So, brethren, I speak after the manner of men. In other words, you can't make a contract with somebody. You can't have an agreement with somebody. Then all of a sudden say, well, yeah, it's just null and void. We understand that men have agreements. You can't decide to set that contract or that agreement aside and act like it doesn't exist when something else comes up. That's a specific contract. Men understand that. Now watch what it says. So, brethren, I speak after the manner of men. So we got that part. It's understood it would be wrong to break a contract. Men understand this. Though it be but a man's covenant. So let's read it all together after we understand this first part. Let's read it 
brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's contract. What are we noticing? The covenant is between man. Where is that covenant? That's down here on earth. That's what he's trying to draw out. Covenant down here on earth. If you can't disannul that, if you can't add to that, if you can't make that go away and act like it doesn't exist, then why would you do that with a covenant? If you wouldn't do that with a covenant between man, what's more important? Well, the answer is simple. God, a contract or a promise from God. You can't treat a covenant between two men with value and importance and then all of a sudden get to a contract now or a covenant that's between God and now somehow treat it with lesser value or lesser importance. We know which one has the lesser value of importance. And then he goes on to say, yet it be confirmed. So let's read it all together. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, confirmed means made more firm, <laughs> confirmed, validated, again, made legal. It's legal talk. Now, I was brought up Roman Catholic. I told you that earlier in about the eighth grade. I was confirmed. It's a sacrament, one of seven sacraments that you would receive growing up in the Roman Catholic Church. And this sacrament of confirmation, it builds upon what was started at our baptism when we were sprinkled by a, a priest in a Halloween costume, which is fitting, I guess. And he, he says, yeah, but do Scooby Doo, and you're now you know you're now in, in the church, and so you were baptized because well, one, your parents were afraid if you were to die that you'd end up in hell, <laughs> so you had to be freed from this original sin, and somehow that priest was able to do that, and you had witnesses, and it was a legal ceremony, and you had a godfather, especially if you're from South Jersey, you had a godfather, and it was a big legal ceremony. You were now accepted into the church by infant baptism. And now you are protected if you were to die. Now, parents are afraid. Roman Catholic parents are afraid that if they do not have their baby sprinkled by the priest, there's this unsettling feeling that if that baby dies. So we need to get this covenant done. We need to get this contract confirmed through infant baptism. Well, when you grow up, you receive your own confirmation and you're supposed to make more firm. You making the decision to validate your own personal maturity in that Roman Catholic faith. It basically legalizes your own personal initiation into the church. It's legal. Now, you're still safe. You're still secure. Each one of these sacra sacraments continues to make more firm or validate that you're good. So yet, if it be confirmed, so it makes it more firm, it makes it legal, it validates it. 
So let's read on, or, or let's let's read from the beginning again, verse 15. Kind of doing this on purpose because I want us to build on it. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, right? Covenant between men. If it's made more firm, if it's made legal, no man disannul it. What does disannul it mean? To make void or to abolish. No man can get rid of it. You can't legally set it aside. You can't act like it doesn't exist. It stands and it cannot be changed. No man disannuleth or addeth thereto. You can't just add to a contract. You can't just add to a covenant. If you're married, you have a marriage covenant. That covenant is between you and your spouse. Nobody can come in and add to that covenant. It's only between you and your spouse. That's it. It's specific. No man can add to it, and no man can disannul it. Except the Bible says, or addeth thereto. You see, that's an archaic word. We shouldn't have archaic words in the Bible because no one really uses that word. Well, except they do. And what's interesting about the Holy Spirit guiding Paul is we just shifted into curse or condemn the law. But now he goes into shifting gears. He gets in this legal mode. Where do you find the word there to show up in legalist language? It's perfectly fitting, perfectly fitting. You'll find it today in the court required case records relating to IRS document or the case here. I found one the court requested cases related records and any irs documents related thereto and you find that word there too show up it's not an archaic word um they're just against the archaic words that they want to change um but we find this it's a legal it's a legal term there too it's found 20 times in the bible and it's still found today in legal Contracts. If you were to talk like that, someone would probably presume you're a lawyer or, uh, you know, something of that class. So it's perfectly fitting. And, and so our takeaway is we have covenants between man and man down here on earth, and they're not affected by different covenants or transactions that were to come later. But we need to understand that. You can't take the promises made to Abraham being conditioned by faith and then somehow alter these conditions because some centuries later, the Mosaic law was given. So Paul's drawing all of this out based upon what happens down here on earth with men. So just because you have a promise between Abraham that has to do with faith, don't think when the law comes somehow God's promise to Abraham by faith is disannulled and you need to add to it. This is why when you got legal contracts and legalist language, they got to go through it so everybody understands it. I got to get off this rabbit trail real quick. But, but all of this stimulus and not stimulus and PPE and, 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 and this, this um, it, it's just pages and pages of stuff that some of it they don't want you to understand. <laughs> you know, they want to slip this in, slip that in. And once the thing's signed, it's a contract. 
So, you know, I don't, I can't follow it too much because it just will wear me out. Um, but these are the types of things that we deal with down here on earth. So now we're ready to get into Galatians chapter number three and verse number 16. Watch what it says. I think we understand verse 15. Now 16, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not and to seeds as of many, but as of one and to thy seed, which is Christ. Right. <laughs> sure, Lord. <laughs> now, you would expect a man to live up to his end of the contract. We covered that. God makes a promise. A contract with Abraham and with his seed. God's not going to add to it. God's not going to alter it. God's not going to change it. It's not only impossible for God to do that, but if he did, it would make God a liar. So that's not an option. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So who, this is the question, does this promise include? Watch what it says in verse, in verse 16. It's between God, Abraham, and his seed, singular. Well, let's read it again. Now to Abraham and his seed, singular, were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds, plural. As of many, the word many is plural. So see that, seed, seeds, many. Singular, plural, plural. Well, what's all that about? Well, Abraham possesses two seeds. Huh? Well, he has a physical or natural seed, just like you and I, which would be our blood relatives. Then Abraham has a spiritual or a supernatural seed. Which is how we as believers in Christ are brothers and sisters in Christ. Nathan's not my blood brother. <laughs> I'm not of his lineage physically seed and neither is he of mine. So why are you calling him brother? He's not your physical brother. He's not in your bloodline of descendants. There's no natural birth. No, there isn't. Because we're of Abraham's seed. No, 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 not the physical one. The spiritual one, the one by faith in Jesus Christ. And that's why we can say we are brothers and sisters in Christ, though none of us are related, though all of us are related. <laughs> Why? Because there's two seeds. And that's why this language, I know it sounds legalist. It's actually on purpose by Holy Spirit design. And to thy seed, singular. So what's this singular seed? Which is Christ. Go back to Genesis 28. Let's get that. I know this isn't fiery hot preaching and, and all that, but it's it's. Really, the text doesn't really call for it. So we want to get an understanding of this. Genesis 28, look at verse 14. And in thee 
and in thy seed, singular, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. The fulfillment of this promise is in Christ. That's who the fulfillment is. He is the Messiah. No part of the Mosaic law can change God's promise of fulfillment of this promise. No law can do it. It cannot disannul it. There are two seeds. Spiritual. Natural. Physical and spiritual. Natural and supernatural. Promises. So look in Galatians 3. And then we're going to run some scriptures. Uh, look what it says. Now to Abraham and his seed. Singular. Were the promises made. Now the promises. If you were to look. Uh, search for the promises. In the Holy Scriptures. You would find it shows up nine times. Each time. It refers to. The same thing. Get Hebrews chapter 11. And as you turn there. I'm going to give you some for the sake of time. We have Romans 9.4. It refers to end the promises. Romans 15.8. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision. For the truth of God. To confirm the promises made unto the fathers. 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God. In him are yea. And in, a, and in him amen. Unto the glory of God by us. We're in Galatians 3.16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Galatians 3.21. The Bible says, is the law then against the promises of God? The answer comes back, God forbid. Now we get into Hebrews where the last four of them are located. You got, your, you got in your Bible Hebrews 11. Before we get there, you don't have to turn, but Hebrews 6.12 says, who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Hebrews 7, 6, and blessed him that had the promises. Now we're in Hebrews 11. Look at verse 13. We'll go through that together. Hebrews eleven thirteen. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now go over to Hebrews eleven seventeen. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. He that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. How did he receive the promised blessing of God? Faith. Faith. By faith. We have to harp on this quite a bit. Because... People take verses in the Bible out of context and try to apply it into a promise or a covenant that is not theirs. How are you justified by faith or by works? Before God. Now stick with me. Because watch, when I ask the question, how are we justified by faith or by works? Both. Wait a minute, are you preaching works-based salvation? No. Before God and before men. We have to see something. 
for us to be for us to justify someone else in our eyes, but it does not transfer over to in God's eyes. Let me give you an example. By faith, I've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Before God, I am justified in his sight. He has imputed his righteousness to me. If I'm caught down at hell's corner outside of uh, 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 the, the red silo. Before men, someone might, might recognize me and say, well, wait a minute. Isn't, isn't that a Christian? Isn't that a preacher? What's he doing at the bar? He shouldn't be there. Which, you know, everybody's OK with drinking except when they think Christians are. Then they know it's wrong. It's odd. But before those people. I would not be justified in their eyes. You would not be justified in their eyes. Now, if they found out that we were giving them gospel tracts and trying to talk to them about the Lord. Now, in their eyes, I would have been justified by faith. No, that's before God by works down here on earth. We have a standing and a state before God and a standing and a state before men. Standing before God was justified by faith before men. I mean, it's just justified by works. They got to see it. They got to see something. We did a message on that a while back, but good to just review. So we get it's both, but they're two different contracts, two different deals before God and before men. Now, the last thing that we'll look at this morning. I think we'll get through all this. In Galatians chapter three, verse number 16, we see now Abraham and his seed singular. Where the promise is made, he saith not into seeds, plural, as of many, plural, but as of one, and to thy seed, singular, which is Christ. Seed, thy seed, it's used four different ways in the Bible, and it references four different people. Now, this is important because when we run terms in the Bible, a lot of times if we don't run all of the verses, this is where we get ourselves into trouble. I'm going to give you an example. When you read the word saved in the Bible, it doesn't always refer to spiritual salvation. You can read in the context of something where somebody is being saved physically. That doesn't mean salvation is by works, by something physical you can do. It's just talking about a physical salvation. <laughs> the kid was in the street and you ran and you grabbed him and you saved him from being hit by a car. Oh, you mean he went to heaven? His soul was no, no. What are you talking about? I saved him from dying, man. <laughs> it's the same thing. So we have to define words in their context. And we do the same thing with justification. People get eternal security mixed up because they define words correctly, but they misplace where that definition goes. Should you do good works? Yes. To keep your salvation? No. Before God, you're justified by faith. You're standing before God. You're fine. Your state down here? Well, you messed up. You need to repent and get right and all, and all that. But it doesn't one doesn't affect the other. 
God saves you by grace. So justification is there's one before God, there's one before man. Salvation, there's a physical salvation, there's a spiritual salvation. And now, so we need to approach the same way here, and we'll finish up with thy seed. We have four verses of scripture, and then we're done. Let's get Genesis 15. The first way thy seed is used is the physical or natural offspring of Abraham. Genesis 15, and the Bible says, Genesis 15, 5, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, If thou be able to number them, and he saith unto him, So shall thy seed be. There's going to be a lot of babies. There's going to be a lot of natural offspring that's going to come from Abraham's seed. That's the physical offspring of Abraham. Now, that is not you and I. How is seed used? Four different ways. The first one is the physical offspring of Abraham. Okay, so what's the second one? Get over to Romans chapter 9. The second way thy seed is used is to denote the physical and spiritual offspring of Abraham, which wouldn't be us either. But let's read it. Romans 9 verse 8. That is. Romans 9, 8. They which are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God, but. The children of the promise are counted for thy seed. What does that mean? If you line up with the Genesis 15, 5, 1, the physical offspring of Abraham, and you are a Jew, naturally by birth in that descendant, well, now if you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you get the double dip. You've got the physical and the spiritual. And neither of us are that. Now, I know someone who, who is a Jew and is able to double dip. Some of you may know one or two folks as well. But their physical descendancy doesn't get them into heaven and justify them before God. But their faith in Jesus Christ, now we share that seed of Abraham. The physical and no, the spiritual. Wait, I thought they were of the physical descent. Yeah, they are. Their works falls into the number two definition of thy seed. There are Jews that get to double dip and have both. The one we share in common with them is number three, and that's in Galatians 3, verse 29. Look what it says. So the third one would be us as born-again believers. So when you read thy seed, you have to figure out if it's the physical offspring of Abraham, Number two, you have to figure out if it's the physical and spiritual offspring of Abraham. Three, you have to figure out if it's talking about us, which it is in Galatians 3.9, born again believers. Galatians 3.29, the Bible says, and if ye be Christ's, that's all those that have put their faith in him, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Well, I'm not of the physical descendancy of Abraham. Well, good, because that's not what he's talking about. So we need to understand terms in their context and not misapply them. And when we kind of divide all this out, 
it comes out and it makes sense. We, as born-again believers, Abraham's seed, by faith. You've had the spiritual birth. If you have, you're in the seed. I've had the spiritual birth, so I am. Uh, I, I don't need to be a Jew. You don't need to be from the nation of Israel on this. We're born-again believers. So one, the physical offspring. Number two, the physical and spiritual. Number three, us. And lastly, we'll, land, we'll end with the best. Go back to Galatians 3. We'll finish up where we started in verse 16. When you see thy seed refers to Jesus Christ. you got to figure out which one. When we read it in the context, it refers to. In Galatians 3, verse 16, watch what it says. But as of one and to thy seed, which is Christ. Jesus Christ is the 100% complete fulfillment of the promise. It's he is the object of our faith. And he is the complete fulfillment of the promised blessing. And that's where we have him as the Messiah. He's the anointed savior of the world. And we are going to get to God the same way Abraham did. And it's not by law keeping. We're going to get into Mosaic law part of it next Sunday, Lord willing. It is by faith. The law, we're going to get to more of this, but the law to wrap up gave them physical blessings on earth. Those people kept that law. They got a good crop and they won battles and they didn't get sick. And they get, as soon as they start disobeying God, guess what? Losing battles, getting sick. It's a physical deal. By faith, we come to God the same way Abraham, by faith, by faith, by faith. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.